that mindset of being strong, not being too prideful, being coachable, right, and being resilient, you know, that kind of thing. Those are all really important for an entrepreneur to uh, make it. Some people are taking this opportunity to go into business for themselves. Maybe you've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Maybe with today's job market, you just thought this is your best option. But how do you know if you really have what it takes to succeed on your own? Hi, this is Diana Bernal O'Leary. Welcome back to Job Talk Weekly. Today, we talk with Coach Richard Brazel about being self-employed, what helps people succeed, why some fail, and what you should consider before taking that leap. Let's jump in. Today, we're talking about entrepreneurship. Our guest is Richard Brazel. He's an ontological coach. Hi, Richard. Welcome to Job Talk Weekly. Hi, Diana. How are you today? I am great, and I feel like you're bringing us the best of both worlds here, because as a coach, you've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs in their efforts, and you yourself are an entrepreneur and have been self-employed. So I'd like to start by asking you, what surprised you when you became self-employed? What caught you off guard that you maybe weren't expecting? Um, I would have to say that the part that caught me off guard is you hear people say, that it's not for the timid. Being an entrepreneur is not for the timid. And I kind of got that, but to be quite frank, didn't really believe people. And then I really found out that it really is not for the timid. There, It's kind of like having kids. Everything seems wonderful from a distance, but when you actually <laughs> get into it, it's a lot of work. And I think that's what really surprised me is things don't move as fast as you want sometimes. And there are definitely going to be days where you feel like you've stepped back four or five feet and you're going to have to start over again in some areas. Um, and sometimes resources are challenging to find. And I'm not just speaking in terms of money. That's what people usually think of. But just speaking in terms of finding other people to work with, finding resources that you can use. And although the Internet is full of helpful articles, in, at times they contradict each other. And so it just, it just takes a lot of time to reflect and think and keep moving forward. Well, we often talk about the right mindset for any given profession. Let's talk about the mindset of an entrepreneur, whether it's the traits or the approach they bring. What helps someone be successful as an entrepreneur? Uh, there's a couple things, really. The first thing is whatever it is you're going to start, whether it's a coffee shop or some new form of technology, some software, you have to be in love with it. And what I mean by that is you have to have a passion for it. It has to be something you really, really, really want to do. You can see it helping people. You can feel the difference it's going to make. And the reason that's important is because there are going to be days when your energy is going to be a little bit low and you are going to face some tough days. And it's that passion, that desire to make it come true, that helps keep you moving forward during those tough times. Another thing that's important in terms of your mindset is being coachable. So what I mean by that is some people are so prideful that they can't be coached. Yeah. You're going to meet people who have done it before, maybe multiple times. And you'll meet people who are essentially an expert in maybe part of the field that you're exploring. And you have to learn to listen to those people. And if you're uncoachable, no one's going to give you an investment and people will turn away from your startup. And so it's important to have pride in the work you do, and it's important to have pride in what you're creating, but 
as a person, you have to be coachable. You have to be willing to ask questions and you have to be willing to ask for help. The longer you wait to ask for support, the longer it will take you to get whatever you're doing, your startup off the ground. Because every moment you wait to ask a question is a moment that you don't move forward until you get the answer you need. So those are a couple of the things that are very important. Well, it sounds like you also have to find a balance because you have to bring a certain confidence in yourself and in your product or service. But then you have to know when to say when. You have to know when you've taken it as far as you can without getting help. How do people know when it's time? I mean, what what part of the process, like what are the flags or what are the things that they should be looking out for that are a sign like, hey, I need to talk to somebody else about this? Well, it depends. One of the things to remember is that opinions will vary and opinions usually don't cost anything. <laughs> and so that's sometimes what they're worth. But here's the deal. If you're going to talk to someone in an area that's their expertise, it's not uncommon for, quote, the expert, right, that consultant sort of mindset mm-hmm. to want to also provide you information in areas that are outside their lane. Oh, yeah. So I'm a financial expert, but I may be telling you, you know, legally, you have no idea what you're in for. Or, you know, finance financially, it's probably a good idea. Um, but let me give you some marketing hints. Yeah. And you have to learn to be gracious in those moments, but recognize that what they're telling you is not their expertise. And so when you talk to someone who's a marketing expert, and they tell you what to do. If it contradicts what someone else told you, remember, were they the expert? Were they the one who had the knowledge and experience to be telling you that? It's just human nature. We want to talk about everything. Most of us like to, if we're the expert, we like to talk. Yeah. And in some cases, we're going to want to stay, you know, kind of weave outside our lane. And if you can uh, gently ask them to stay focused, you know, on finances, that's what I wanted to talk to you about today, marketing, maybe some other time. That's great. And if not, then just let them talk and then just keep moving back into the financial question or whatever their expertise is. Right. Because it wasn't their expertise. It very well may have been their experience. And that's how it went down for them. And that's valuable to know, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's the way it's going to work for you. That's true. And, that, and what you just said is the, is the key factor there. It doesn't mean it's going to go for you that way. And another thing that comes to mind for the entrepreneur is you want to surround yourself with people who believe in you and your idea. Now, what I mean by that as an example is often, let's start with family. Often our family loves us and believes in us, but they get afraid for us when we try something new. Oh, yeah. And they'll tell us, they'll give us sort of that, oh, I don't think you should do that, or oh, it's not going to work, or whatever. And there's no reason to be angry at them. They come from a good place. They're just concerned for you. So there's no reason to end family relationships or yell and scream at family. Thank them for their concern and tell them that you'll keep it in mind. But that goes for outside, too. So when you meet people, you're going to want to tell people what you're doing. Because when you put it into the real world, this is a trick, it makes it come true. But it's hard to do, right? This is your dream. It takes a lot of courage to share a dream with some other person and know that you will meet people who will tell you it won't work flat out. Yeah. What they're actually projecting on you is their own fears. And you, again, have to just thank them and 
don't hang around them anymore. Stay away from them and only hang around other people who believe in your dream, who give you good advice and want to see you succeed. And that's important, too, as an entrepreneur, because a lot of that other negative feedback can really make that hill seem even steeper to climb. And a lot of it might have to do with what that person was trying to do, because I think about the people I've heard say, well, someday, someday I'm going to start my own business. Someday I'm going to become self-employed. And they don't. And so they might be projecting onto you their failures or their inability inability to move forward. Um, But tell me a little bit about that, because I feel like There are plenty of people who 20 years later are still dreaming. What is it, do you think, that you've seen that holds people back? Why is it that they just can't, you know, make the move, even though they say that they would like to? Right. There's a lot of things that can hold someone back in a a circumstance like this, right? So first of all, again, we're talking about dreams, and they're very personal, and they're scary sometimes uh, for us to even think like that. And a lot of things get mixed into that equation as it comes time to think about really doing it. Part of it is related to our background. What did our parents tell us? Did they tell us we were no good or we'd never amount to anything? Right. What, what kind of failures did we have as a child? And were we told it's OK to fail? Because remember, part of being an entrepreneur, I mean, the saying is fail fast. Right. Get, get failure out of the way right away, because the sooner you get it out of the way, the fewer of your new customers experience the failure. And so our background gets involved. It Fear gets involved a lot, right? We're afraid to let go of a job that's paying us every day. We're afraid of failure. We're afraid. Sometimes we're afraid of success. Oh, yeah. Even though we say we want it, <clears throat> just the idea of all these people asking us questions and looking at us uh, can be very nerve-wracking for some of us. Um, and so that can also cause a problem for an entrepreneur in terms of wanting to get really started. Um, I think the biggest hurdle for most entrepreneurs, and you'll know if you have what it takes or maybe you have what it takes, is if you're willing to talk to other people about your dream. If you're willing to sit down with someone and they're talking, what are you up to? And say, well, I'm thinking about starting a business and listening to what they say. But more importantly, what they say is not important. It's you getting used to actually putting it out into the real world where you know, sometimes dreams get crushed yeah. and sometimes people are negative and being strong enough to accept that and just keep moving forward, just kind of ignoring it. Yeah. Um, these are some of the things that really get in the way for an entrepreneur and, and just for us as humans. Every human that I've ever met has dreams about all kinds of things, not starting businesses. I mean, just dreams. Sure. And the hardest thing for anyone, and I, I talk to people about this because one of the things I do with other entrepreneurs is I provide some coaching for them on pitching in front of others, which really means standing in front of people you don't know and saying, this is my dream. This is this is in my heart. This is what I want to do. And knowing that some of those people won't be supportive and just hoping that you can make it through it. And what you don't know or sometimes forget is everybody in the room, especially if they're investors, they want to hear what you have to say. They're looking for in places to invest their money. And so everybody in the room is on your side. It just doesn't feel that way when you're up there by yourself telling people about what it is you want to do in life. So that mindset of being strong, not being too prideful, being coachable, right, and being resilient, you know, that kind of thing. Those are all really important for an entrepreneur to uh, make it. 
So let's say someone has done some exploration and they think this is the time to do it, especially because now the job market is less than ideal and they think this is the time for them to go out. Before they start putting plans in place, what type of reflection should they do? What type of questions can people ask themselves? What should they be looking for in their own family life, their finances? What types of questions should they contemplate before taking the first business step? So part of your question was money. So how much money do I actually need to just cover the bills? I may have to, for a little while, not go out for lunch. I'm not going out for dinner. You know, I'm yeah. not going to go for Starbucks every week or every day to get my cup of coffee. I'm making coffee at home. Just cut way back on everything and do it quickly and see what's the least amount of money you can keep your apartment, keep all your utilities turned on, keep your car running keep gas in your car, you know, get everything done. Um, and you'll be surprised that it's much less than what you're living on most of the time. And so that's one of the things I usually will tell people right up front is don't jump, reflect first. What am I trying to accomplish? Where should I actually look for my kind of work? Well, I think the reflection can help you in so many ways, even if you still think you want to be an entrepreneur, because this type of reflection and trying to map out where you might want to be can give you a bridge to entrepreneurship. So maybe you work part-time, maybe you do some freelancing, maybe you do some contract work. Talk about the different ways that people can dip their toe in the water to see if entrepreneurship is right for them. Yeah, and really, that's a great point because what you're really asking is, am I the kind of person who can run a business? So here's a great question to answer right off the bat. Have I ever actually managed people before? Mm -hmm. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have to manage people. And if you've never managed anyone in your career, you've never been an actual manager responsible for someone else's work, then that's one of those things you're going to want to do a lot of reading about. And I'm trying mm -hmm. to understand how that works, because that's one of the things that people forget. And it's one of the first things that areas that they make mistakes in when they go on their own. But as an example, so I can let's say I'm working part time right now or I want to explore. There is what they call nowadays the gig culture, right? Where I'm yeah. doing like consulting. And so I'm going to do some consulting. Well, it's actually pretty easy to get started. You can get a website very inexpensively and. You can update your LinkedIn page, and then you just have to begin to do some basic marketing. And normally, you can get a lot of resources online to teach you how to do basic marketing. And you get out there, and you tell people that you're consulting right now and that you're looking for work, and you begin to try to build the business. Now, remember that part about you may run into people who say no or think you can't do it. You've got to want to do this still. Yeah. You still have to be resilient. As you go out there, um, think of it in terms of selling yourself. Well, it's still sales in a way. And so you have to be willing to be resilient. If someone says, no, I don't need your consulting right now, don't take it personally. You've got to be that, oh, okay, and then move on to the next one. Can I check back in a month and move on to the next one, however you do it. If you want to get into an actual business, you look at a franchise potentially. So this is if you don't have a lot of business experience yet. A franchise comes with everything you need, right? They're going to give you all mm -hmm. the training materials. They're going to give you all the financial software. They're going to give you the designs. They'll help you build. Sometimes they'll help you. They'll provide the loans to get you started. And there's 
franchises that are less involved, like a blind, you got to open a blind company where you're you're basically putting out orders, <clears throat> so you can just do it from your house and you go out and measure windows and turn in the orders, right? And then they get put in, and it's very simple to us, something way more complicated like a restaurant franchise of some kind where you've got to have a building and construction and all that. The point about a franchise is you're not on, you're not alone. Right? Yeah. There's someone there to help you. The other thing about a franchise is that they have rules and policies and regulations you have to follow. So you can't decide to offer a color for blinds that the company you got the franchise for doesn't offer. You can't sell someone else's blinds and still sometimes work for that company. So recognize that a franchise comes with a great deal of support, but it also comes with a lot of rules. But it's still a much better way to get started if you don't have experience running your own business. And if you've never managed people before, it's a great way to get started. And then obviously it's the full-on entrepreneurs, the last way, where you just go for it. And there's a lot of resources out there, not only the Small Business Association, um, the SBA, but there's the SBDC, which is part of the SBA, where retired business people do coaching and consulting to help business people and new business people figure out marketing, figure out hiring, figure out legal, whatever they need to figure out. There's, there's a lot of free resources out there to help you get started um, in either way. And I mean, in either case, um, but the full entrepreneur is the most challenging. Um, and it's also the most rewarding and can be the most fun if you, you want to learn something new every single day and be challenged every day with something else that you didn't know um, and figure it out. And then you'll know from that point forward. Well, I'm glad you mentioned resources, and there are a lot of free resources that I do hope people take advantage of with the Small Business Administration, et cetera. But there comes a time when someone needs to pay for resources, and I feel like some entrepreneurs hesitate to invest in themselves. They want to save their money for their product, for their marketing, but sometimes they've got to invest it in them. How do you talk to some people about you know, that making that decision when it's time to invest in you. Well, it circles right back around to who, who we are as people, right? And knowing, again, what we need and that willingness to ask for support. Yeah. Um, and it, you, you pointed to something. It's one of those things that can really get in the way of some people and that they just can't ask for help. I mean, and it's amazing to me that we can sometimes we could go to someone who's the consultant or the expert and they'd be willing to give us a, a hand with something. And we just struggle asking for help. It's not that we're broken. It's just that we haven't learned how. We just never learned to do that. It's, it's, it's a skill set. And so it just takes practice. You can, you can learn to do it. Um, but it, to your point, it's, it's so important, so important to know what resources are out there. And trust that there's someone out there that has the answer to your question. And all your job is is just to find them and ask them the right question so they give you the answer you need. Well, it's that simple. And I wonder if some of it is about timing. Because when you're at the beginning stage of your career, you're told to ask questions. It's okay to not know what to do, what the next step is. But once we've been in the workplace for 10, 15, 20 years, we hopefully have become an expert on something. And so I wonder... <laughs> Or not, which is maybe why they're doing something yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So is it a little tougher? I mean, on one hand, when you have already acquired 20 years in the workforce, you've hopefully built up some equity and you've got some contacts and you're a little more savvy and experienced as a professional. 
But then you've got to tap into that entrepreneurial spirit, which says it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to learn more. I mean, is there an upside and a downside to when someone wants to become an entrepreneur? So I'm going to go um, a little uh, out there for you. Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit about Zen Buddhism, oh, which you're okay. going to love. Yes. And the idea of approaching something with the child's mind or oh, the yeah. new mind, right? Because when we are, you, as you described, when we first get the job or as a child, we have the child's mind, that idea that we know we don't know. And so we're willing to ask. And there's nothing in the way of it. We just, we learn, right? Yeah. We want to ride the bike. We know we don't know how to ride the bike. So we watch people do it and then we fall down and we ask and people give us feedback and eventually we learn to ride it. And being able to come again, being able to access that new mind mm, space, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is so important when we are, just as you described, we've been around for a while, we have some credibility, we have some knowledge. And again, that can also go back to being coachable, but if you can practice the idea of approaching something with an open mind, and this is in general in life, you'll find that you'll learn more because you're approaching things as always new. There are so many stats, unfortunately, about new businesses that fail in the first year, the first two years. Are there any common mistakes that you've seen? Are there things that are preventable? I mean, obviously, one could not have predicted the pandemic. So if anyone started a restaurant, that was extraordinary timing for them, and that was not preventable. But are there other things that you've seen about how entrepreneurs approach a new business that is common and we wish they would just approach it a little differently? Yeah, it's such a great question because there are, it's really, again, it's, it really goes back to that idea of resources. So for example, a very common mistake people make when they're opening a new business is to uh, go into the business undercapitalized. And what I mean by that is they don't try to get enough money to actually keep the business going while it's growing. Mm, and so, mm-hmm. or their, or their expectation of its growth is um, not accurate. They, they overestimate their ability to bring people into their business, to find clients instead of being more conservative in their estimates. And these are the kind of things that get you out there where all of a sudden you um, you're running out of money and you're not bringing in enough money. Yeah. Or they they over they go into it in a sense like okay, now I have to have an office. Well, you can start a business without an office, right? So let's yeah. say you're going to be a consultant, right? Yes. And they think they have to have an office. Well, they don't have to have an office, right? And or they think they have to have a printer. Okay, that may be true, but then they go buy the most expensive printer that they can find. Right. And they have to have a computer, so they want to upgrade their computer, but do they have to do it now? <clears throat> yeah. Or can they wait? Right, right. And so they begin to invest heavily, and I'm usually asking people to start lean. Yes. You don't need as much. Start with what you have. I mean, let's be real, right? Microsoft started in a garage. And when you say spend lean, I think that also applies to what matters. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I just opened up my LLC, or they're paying all these legal fees, and they're worried about the business of the business. And there are some things, obviously, that you need, but I feel like people need to be reminded that they really need to focus on what's going to sell their product, what's going to get them in front of the clients, instead of all this other... I don't know, overhead or, you know, back office stuff that, you know, do you need to print that letterhead? Not now when everything is via email. 
No, it's a great point. And yes, and that old that sort of thinking like that, like you got to have I've got to have business cards, letterhead and pages with my logo. <laughs> on. And I'm going to have to have a logo. So I got to go find a market. I got to go find a designer. branding for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Right. All those things. It's not that they're not important. It's just that do it differently to start with. So there are sites you can go to on the Internet to just create your own logo. Yeah, it may not be your perfect logo, but it will do. No one's no one's going to turn you down because they don't like your logo. Yeah. <laughs> right. Assuming it's not offensive, you're going to be fine. And yeah. yes, you're right. Everything is by email. So don't print stationery and don't print envelopes. It's going to be fine. And yeah, you should have business cards. But what is it? Vistaprint? There's a bunch of companies out there. You can get business cards for $25. Get the least expensive cards you can get. Because when you actually need expensive cards, you'll have the money to do that. You don't need it right away. So yes, it's really that it's a smart business approach. And again, like always, right, there's plenty of business books out there on starting business and paying attention to your finances and so many other things that get involved when we're really trying to do something like this for ourselves. Um, not all of us, by the way, sometimes people will say they want to work for themselves, but they really don't. And so it's an important decision to make to really decide, do I want to work for myself as an example do I like working where someone else is giving me direction as opposed to I have to make all the decisions? Do I like working somewhere where if I want to take a week off, it's not a problem because there's someone else to do my job versus I don't get a week off because if I leave, there's no one in the business to do the business, right? Yeah. Do I like working someplace where the legal exposure is the company, not me, versus it's my company, I'm the one who gets the legal exposure? There's a lot of these trade-offs that people get when they get comfortable working for another larger business, I get benefits there. If I'm working on my own, what benefits am I going to be able to get for myself? It's a much harder thing to do when you're working on your own. Even getting a loan, a house loan is easier if you're, if you're working for a large company oh, than sure. working for yourself. And so there are, let's call it advantages to working for a large company. It just depends who you are as a person and what you're willing to hold off on while you build your company, someday you'll be able to have benefits because your company will be big enough and you'll have benefits for all your employees. And all these things will be different. But people have to ask themselves, do I really want to work for myself? Because the minute you work for yourself, there's no one to cover vacation time. I have a friend that's opened a coffee shop about two years ago, and I, don't, I hardly think he's had any time off because he's running the place. So yeah, and he's I just there. I think that's in the category of things that people don't necessarily think about. Like when we started our conversation, the things that catch people off guard, the surprises, you know, the technology, the legal, the banking, the taxes. I think of a lot of people who love hospitality and they love cooking and they love the idea of a restaurant. But the business of running a restaurant is less about the food and the service than it is about the actual the business, the inventory, all the marketing of the restaurant. You know, it's interesting you said that because for like 30 years, I worked in the hospitality industry and all kinds of restaurants. And mm. it was very common for someone to come to me and say, oh, my God, you know, we've been eating here for years. And I'd know them. They were regulars. I'd talk to them. And they say, you know, we're thinking of opening our own restaurant. And I would look at them and I go tell me about your perspective on restaurants, right? And they would yeah. tell me, well, we come in here and we look at everything and all this stuff. And I'll look at them and say, you, you know, I got here at eight this morning and it's now nine tonight. Yeah. You know that, right? right? And they'll look at me and go, you did? 
I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone has to be here when the food arrives. And yes. sometimes the food doesn't always arrive on time or it's not ripe. And I have to figure out what to do about it. And sometimes the dishwasher doesn't show up or a prep cook doesn't show up and I have to do the work. What you see at five o'clock when I open is not a restaurant. That's the production. That's mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. What happens all bef- the weeks and weeks and weeks before the, sh- the play gets started, that hard work, you're not seeing. And I've, I can't tell you how many people were like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, I know. That's why I'm so glad you said that to me. And it's one of the reasons restaurants fail is because just to your point, people see it and think it looks like so much fun. I have all my friends come in. Yeah. It's going to be great. There's wine behind then, the bar. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then they don't realize that it's going to be, especially if you own the place, it's going to be 15, 16-hour days. And unless you close on Mondays, you go dark Mondays, it's going to be seven days a week. And you're open every holiday, yeah. every Christmas, every Thanksgiving, every New Year's. You're open. These are your busiest days, every Mother's Day. And it that's what gets people in trouble because they think, to your point, well, I can cook. Yeah. You know, what more is there? Yeah. And well, they just, yeah. I think that's where the different types of research come in because there's mm-hmm. plenty of research online and books and seminars you can go to, but there's nothing like talking to someone who has done it, who has been there and who has survived it, or maybe someone who has failed it. And I think those are the things that hopefully people think about before they take a step in becoming an entrepreneur and becoming self-employed, talking to other people in a similar uh, industry that you want to do yourself and hear what how it worked for them. Yeah, that's a wonderful point because I guess what, you, what you're really pointing to is that to be a good, strong business leader or to be an entrepreneur, the ability and the desire and the discipline to do research is an important aspect of the whole equation. You have to be willing to go out there and begin to read and think. There's so many like professional groups that you can attend oh, sure. in your industry where you can talk to people who are in the industry, talk to people who own businesses in the industry, find out the good points, the bad points to your earlier question to me. Well, what were the toughest parts of it? You know, did you fail if you did or if you know someone who failed? What what caused them to fail? You know, how come they didn't grow as fast as they were hoping? Um you can get all that information up front, not necessarily to talk yourself out of it, although it may, but it also prepares you to be much better and grow faster scaling, as they call it, um, and get into a profit much quicker because you already have learned so much about what can happen. So you're planning and doing your strategies to make sure these things don't happen. You'll have different things happen and you'll still have to navigate them, but you'll be better prepared for it. The Internet Although it's good and bad, I suppose, if you're doing research and you're going to be an entrepreneur, that discipline of looking things up and asking lots of questions is critical to your success and the speed of your success. And there's nothing wrong with doing some research, investigating for three, six, nine months, and then deciding, you know what, this is not for me. And I think that is valuable. Otherwise, you might spend the next 10 or 20 years thinking, oh, I should have opened that restaurant. I should have opened that consulting firm. But maybe when you went down the road of your research, you realized it would not have been what you thought it was going to be. Yeah, and that's true. You're just saving yourself the headache. Well, and there's two things there because, again, people's pride will get yeah. mixed into this whole thing, right? And they, the ability and the, to have the internal strength. When someone says, you know, you should have opened your own place. Ah, you know what? I looked at that. I did a lot of research on that. And I decided that's just not for me. Just, you know, it's okay. 
Yeah. That's not for me. Because remember, there's something people forget is that leaders attract other leaders. They attract followers and they attract assassins, <laughs> people who are against them. And I sound scary, but it is scary to be a leader. And it's not for everybody. We don't need a world full of bosses. Otherwise, nothing gets done. Right. Someone sooner or later actually has to do the work. And that person is critical to the success of everything on the planet. That's just the reality. If you, I hate to say this, but if you take the CEO and send them away, most businesses will keep clicking right along because the people who actually do the work know what they're doing. And so being one of those people is something to be proud of. Being someone who's good at their job is something to be proud of. Not everybody is meant to be a leader like that. And I think that's okay. And I think bringing it back to the reflection that you talked about early in this conversation is so important. And I hope people take that no matter if they want to be an entrepreneur or not. Every once in a while in your career, you have to take a moment to slow down, look around and say, is this where I want it to be? Is this right for me? And do I want to keep doing this for another five years? Yeah, that's a really wonderful point. And, you know, in this crazy world that you know, 5,000 emails a day and text messages and so much communication, you know, just like drinking out of a fire hose, like they say, it's so hard to just remember to just stop sometimes and just, just reflect on how is life? Is this kind of what I was looking for? Is there something missing that I can add to my life? Should, you know, is, am I happy? And if I'm not, how did I get here? Many people end up in work in a job that they hadn't planned on. It just kind of happened. You know, I was doing this job and then they promoted me and then pretty soon I was doing that job and they promoted me and now I'm an executive vice president. But I just suddenly realized I really don't like doing this work. It's really not what my heart is into this, right? And that's a great time to start reflecting on, is there something else I can do? And do I want to be my own boss or do I want to be a consultant? Or do I just want to do something part-time or maybe I just help someone else part-time? in order to give me something more in my life to make it a little bit nicer for me. And also, final question here, tell us about the timing, because the other thing I hear from some people is, oh, it's too too late, I'm too old, I've got the kids, I've got the mortgage, you know. Talk to us a little bit about how it's, I, I would hope it's never too late for someone to really pursue something that they're passionate about. Uh, it's People don't pursue things they're passionate about because they actually don't know the answer to the questions. What am I passionate about? Um, or they're yeah. passionate about something and they don't know how to, as we would say, monetize it. They don't know. Is there a business around this? Like, is there a way for me mm-hmm. to do that? There, you know, there are some people who know very young what they want to do in life. Um, they're fortunate and they get into it and they're happy and they grow in it because it's a natural for them. But to your point, there's never a bad time to do something like this. There may be times that it's a little easier than other times, but it's just what mm-hmm. are you willing to do? How hard are you willing to work, right? Life is full of yeses and nos, and each one of those answers has a consequence attached to it. And so if I'm going to choose to do something, I have to make sure that if I have a family that they're supportive of it. There is such a thing as a coach out there, being one of them. Yeah. And You can look up, you can go to the International Coach Federation and find coaches who can help you and talk to you through this. It's not therapy. I want to make that very clear. Coaching deals Mm -hmm. with the present looking forward, nothing in the rearview mirror. It's always 
where we are today and where do we want to get? And the question may be, here's where I'm at. I want to move this direction. I also want to be fair to my family and help them move with me. Help me put that strategy together. And someone can do that with you so that people don't feel left out. So that you're doing the things that you need to do to make sure that family is still involved and you're spending time with family while at the same time you're still growing your career or working on your new business or doing those things. Life doesn't have to be this or that. It can be both. But you, it's harder to achieve if you don't have a specific strategy or a specific goal in mind. And most of the time what people do is they get myopic about it. I'm just going to do this and they forget everything else. And so everything else around them falls away and maybe someday they achieve their goal and they're a billionaire and they're incredibly unhappy with life because they've lost everything else because their plan didn't include bringing everybody along with me. Oh, I could. Those are certainly words of wisdom that I hope our listeners take with them and spend some time to reflect, Richard, because I think that is the theme of our conversation. No matter if you're going to be an entrepreneur or you just want to do a gut check as to where you are in your mm. career, to take the time to reflect. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, Richard, thank you for joining us today. It's been great talking with Diana, you. Diana, I had a great time and the best to you and your listeners. And I hope everybody gets what they want. Terrific. I hope so, too. Thank okay, you, Richard. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Job Talk Weekly. If you like the podcast, and we hope you do, the best thing you can do is to subscribe and forward it to your friends. We'd love to hear what you think. So please rate and review us or send us a quick email to info at jobtalkweekly.com. See you next time.